It's, uh, the awkwardness is mine. I have a cold, so I know it's normal to hug and shake hands, but you are welcome to do so at your own risk. The cold is not pleasant. I'm praying that my voice makes it all the way through the sermon. Um, so yeah, as most of you guys know, tomorrow we are hopping in a moving truck and we are leaving you. Um, and you are leaving us in a sense. And, uh, so, um, yeah, like my, like Matt said, this wasn't in the plans, but I really want to have a chance to say goodbye to you. Um, you all have been very special to us and, um, there's so much to say. Uh, hopefully we can say it, um, at the, the potluck afterwards, person to person, how much each one of you has meant to us. Um, Shakespeare said, parting is such sweet sorrow. Um, and he's a smart guy, so you'd think that he would know what he's talking about. Um, I get the sorrow part, but I don't get the sweetness part. Um, it's just hard to think of leaving. Um, and we've seen it coming for a long time, and so I've tried, been trying to process leaving um, such a great community. And uh, something that God has brought to my mind is the story of the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8, 26-40. You know, usually... Life transformation takes a long time. Some of the people that have marked my life deeply, they have walked with me over decades. Uh, but not all the time. Some people have come into my life just briefly, and yet their change has been monumental. And this was the case with um, this man who was a high official in the court of Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. And he visited uh, Jerusalem during Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was given and he was riding home in his chariot, reading Isaiah and not understanding it. And God orchestrated that Philip uh, would just be walking along the road and see him. And as he saw him riding, probably not very fast, he just walked along beside him and said, Hey, what are you reading? And he said, Come on up in the chariot and let's talk about it. They didn't have serious radio or podcasts, so somebody <laughs> to talk to seemed like a great idea. And in the course of a few hours one afternoon, Philip explained to this Ethiopian eunuch, we don't know his name, the gospel. And then the Ethiopian eunuch said, here's some water, why don't I get baptized? And Philip said, that's a great idea, and he got baptized. And that's where the biblical story ends, but tradition says that's likely when the gospel made it to Ethiopia, because this was a high official in the court of Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. And we know that Christianity was in Ethiopia extremely early in the first century. Such a short time shared, and yet so much, such a difference, such a change. Um, and I'm sure that that man remembered Philip to the end of his life. Our time with you has not been very long, um, and now God is calling us away. And we really feel God has great things for us. We're very excited about the future. And yet, the time that we've had with you has not been enough. It's... It's sorrowful, and yet it's also joyful, because I can't help but thinking, where would we have been these last four years without you? Where would we have been after Africa and, and the burnout and the struggles that we were in? You guys have been such a tremendous community to us, and I can't say enough how much I appreciate you all. That being said, I'm not going to spend the whole sermon trying to make you cry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you need to not make me laugh because then I will cough and then it's over. Um, I want to share a blessing with you. 
And uh, the place that we were at was called Longside. It's a special counseling place, especially for pastors and missionaries. And we received a lot of blessing there. Uh, life transformational blessing. Things uh, will never be the same based on the little bit of interaction we had with those people. And I want to share one of the big breakthroughs that I had in my life while there. And hopefully this can be a blessing to you as well. Now before leaving, I was kind of working on a book. There's a few books I'm trying to write, and I don't know if they'll ever land, but one book I'm trying to write is, Is God Good? And I thought this would be a straightforward book. You know, there's C.S. Lewis. I love C.S. Lewis. He's written something. It'll be easy. I've taught on it. But when you ask the question, is God good, it kind of bleeds over into the question of, is life good? Because if you're asking the question, is God good, if, if God was in court, kind of the first the main question against them is, well, the life that you made, is it good or not? That's kind of the main question. So I had to wrestle with that. Is life worth living? Is life good? You know, I would, off the top of my head, I would say, yes, of course it is. But when you start digging down deep, it's like, well, is it good? Is life good? For some people, certainly it seems to be. But can we say across the board, is life good? Because honestly, there's a lot of good memories I have. There's a lot of bad memories. There's a lot of good times I've been through. There's a lot of hard times I've been through. In these past seven years that we've been on missions, um, we've been through some pretty dark times. It's been pretty difficult, a lot of it. So how can I look at that and say life is good, life is worth living, everything is happy, everything is smiling? It was a hard question. So just leaving that aside, when we got to, um, to a long side, One of the things that they shared with us is how we perceive the world affects a lot how we receive it. So let me explain that. They had a wheel, and they talked about um, the data that comes in, and then your thoughts, and then that leads to emotions, and emotions lead to you processing and deciding what to do about it. And that's interesting. It's interesting to visualize it that way, because sometimes we think you hit a moment in life and you feel immediately what to do or you act immediately in what to do. But everything passes through our thoughts, which means that the way that we think influences how we experience life. It might pass very quickly through our thoughts, but everything is colored by how we think about the world. I could give you this example. Imagine uh, my wife, Angiska, is taking a leisurely canoe ride down the river here with a few of the kids in, the, in her canoe. And she comes around a bend in the river and sees a rapids that she can't see the bottom of. What sort of feelings will she feel right away? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And she would never be in that situation because (laughs) she would would plan it out. But uh, just imagine that that happened. Whereas, imagine John in a kayak coming around a river and you see some rapids. What are you feeling? Joy. Joy. (laughs) Right. Because you know you can handle it. You're competent. You, you don't have little ones that might fall out. You're, this is exciting, right? So how you, your thoughts about yourself and the world influence how... It's the same event, right? It's the same event. But the way that you think influences how you encounter the world. And there's a lot of things that influence and shape our thoughts, obviously. Our past experiences. But our past experiences are shaped by our thoughts. But the ultimate thing that shapes most of our thoughts most decisively is what we think of God. Whether or not we think God is good, whether or not we think God is loving, that's going to influence how we experience life and how we, um, how we remember it. 
So that was interesting, seeing that, that thought wheel. And there was another session that was really, really interesting. It was actually the first session. And because we didn't know exactly how to do it right, we, we enjoyed the session, and then I did the homework afterwards. We were supposed to do the homework before. And uh, the question was, there was a little questionnaire. You do a little quiz. And it was, how accurate is your God image? And there were a bunch of statements, and you answer true or false about whether um, you know, God is not just loving, because you'd know the theological answer for that, but things like, God, will, God always saves me. God approves of me. God is happy with me. And when she presented, she said, you know, it's interesting that you can meet a very young child, for example, in Sunday school, and tell them, God is like this. And sometimes, if you have a very precocious child that's going to answer back to you, they'll say something like, no, God isn't like that. And children, at a very young age, have a very well-formed idea of who God is. And you can try and teach them and, and explain to them from scriptures, but often they have an idea of who God is. And if you ask them and push them, often God looks a lot like their father, their earthly father. And I thought, well, isn't that interesting? But I'm a theologian that, you know, has studied and, and this won't apply to me. Anyways, all this was in the back of my mind. I did the homework and on my God image, I got about 12 out of 22. Uh, correct. You know, it's hard not to get away from that correct or incorrect. But I thought, wow, that is interesting that my image of God is so flawed. And we were also learning a lot about people in general and thinking about our, our upbringing. And I realized a lot of this looks like my dad. You know, strengths, weaknesses. This is, this is basically what I was raised with. And so the way that I think about God is influenced by the way that I think about my dad. And the way that I think about my dad influences how I process memories and how I think about memories. Some of the things that were the most difficult over this past seven years is thinking of going to Africa, which was a great adventure, and yet really bad things happened. You know, um, we got there and, and Jessica's body couldn't handle the heat. And that was hard. We had to make the decision to come back way prematurely. Um, bad, difficult things happened with our kids. We couldn't get them into, into the school. We couldn't get them educated. There were just difficulties. And most traumatically for me, I was, I was kidnapped. There was a routine traffic accident, and I ended up getting kidnapped for an, just for an afternoon. But I could have died. I could have died. And I've had post-traumatic stress from that, which is something that we worked through um, a lot during Alongside and, and made a lot of progress on that. But something that was difficult is I'm trying to think about, well, is God good? Is life good? I've got a lot of hard memories. You know, God, I went there. I was ready to serve you. It seemed like you didn't show up. That's hard. So this is a lot of untied ropes. But I think it'll start coming together as I tell you a story. As a very young child, I remember taking a lot of adventures with my dad. And that was something that I've always seen as a positive, that dad took us out into nature, dad took us riding on motorbikes, dad took us at shooting the 22. But he didn't always have a plan. And I wasn't always safe, honestly. And this one particular time, we went to a, a um, provincial park, and it was a place where a lot of people went tubing because there was slate falls, 
and there was nothing sharp, and so people would jump on the tubes and go splashing down the falls, and it was a lot of fun. And my dad took his three boys there. Um, so I, I think they were about my older brother, about seven. I was about six. My younger brother, about five. And he went above the falls to walk across. And the water was, I, I believe, about eight inches deep, which for a six-year-old was significant. And there was a lot of algae on the rocks. And as I was walking across, Dad was holding the hands of my two brothers. And I said, Dad, hold my hand too. But he didn't have another hand. And we were already midstream. And he said something like, just don't fall. And as long as I stood still, I was okay. But I went to take a step, and the current swept me off downstream. And I remember in my childhood memory of this that I had a lot of fun for about the first 30 <laughs> milliseconds. I thought, this is fun. Woo, it's like a water slide. And then I realized at the bottom of this is a deep pool, and I can't swim at six. And so I started screaming at the top of my lungs. And some random person ran out from shore and grabbed me out of the water and saved my life. And that was significant. I remember that. Uh, you tend to remember it when you almost die. And so as I was processing this, as I was looking at my God image being weak, and then we did a, did a counseling session, and not just that, but other things from my childhood. We looked at ways that my parents had done well and ways that they hadn't done so well. And I brought these things to God, and I forgave them. Again, I've done this many times, but forgave them for another layer. And I found healing. I began to find healing for my God image. This is the part of, of this that I'm so excited about because this is just one component has brought so much. I got 12 out of 22. Now I got 13 out of 20 for my God image. And it has brought so much joy in my life just realizing this. I want to tell you how I healed this one component of my God image is, first of all, just forgiving my dad, you know, this isn't the only time, but this is just one emblematic time. We had adventures, but there wasn't always a plan, and I wasn't always safe. I forgive you. I preached about forgiveness before, um, but I want to just remind us how we forgive. I've seen there's a lot of parallels between grief and forgiveness. You need to go through a valley if you really want to forgive, because we can say intellectually, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive, and yet the issue is still there. And what I have found in true heart forgiveness, Jesus talked about forgiving from the heart, is you need to feel the pain. You know, if you can imagine somebody, maybe kids in, in grade school or something, one kid slaps the other kid, and the other kid just stands there like stones. That didn't even hurt. You know, sometime, but it did hurt, right? But the child said, that doesn't even hurt because they don't want to show weakness. And sometimes we can go through life and just be like, that didn't hurt. That didn't hurt. I, it's okay, I forgive you. It's, it's no big deal. But when we don't process pain, the pain is still there. And forgiveness is, it's helpful to start it by talking about some pain words. You hit me, causing me to feel physical pain, emotional rejection, and betrayal. And that hurt. And you go into the valley, and you feel the pain of that. And then a phrase that I have found helpful is to say, I will pay the emotional pain and consequences of your action. I will pay that. What that is, is just letting yourself feel it. It's very similar to grief. We went through our house yesterday and said goodbye. And all the kids responded differently. Some went through and yelled, and bye, bye, bye. And one of our kids just sobbed the whole time. Um, 
But it's important to make room for grief. And it's important to forgive and feel the pain of what has happened. It wasn't right. I'm going to let myself feel that. And then we come out the other side of the valley and say, I forgive. God, would you restore that place in my heart? And I found that that is a, pl- that is a process that works. To forgive from the heart. And the deeper you go in the valley, the higher you go on the other side. And the more completely it's done. So that was one component of healing my God image. Is my earthly father was not perfect. This was one flaw. I forgive him for that. And I recognize it as a flaw. This isn't how it was supposed to be. Because, and this is something really interesting that I hope you can take with you. God is love. Right? We all know that. God is love. What does that mean? In our culture, we don't know what that means. We don't know what love means. We throw the word around. You know, it's sexual revolution and, and free love. And, you know, we're all very confused about what love means. But the Bible tells us what love is. 1 Corinthians 13. And that's what this quiz was based on, was 1 Corinthians 13. Because if God is love, then he is all the things that are mentioned in 1 Corinthians 13. So let me share this with you. God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. God does not parade himself around. God is not puffed up. God is not rude. God does not seek his own. God is not provoked. God thinks no evil. God does not rejoice in iniquity, but he rejoices in the truth. God bears all things. God believes all things. God hopes all things. God endures all things. God never fails. That is our God. It is love that we have never seen perfectly modeled in this life. That is our God. And so the second component of healing my God image was just recognizing God saves. God saves. And I did myself a little Bible study, and I, I looked, is, is this how God is? Does God have grand adventures with, for his people and not a plan? That's not God. God same, saved Adam. It was not good for man to be alone, so he sent an Ezer Neged, a helpmeet. Did you know that the word helpmeet means help meet? <laughs> I know, it's crazy. <laughs> Jesus. Um, we're kind of used to this old King James saying, but that's, that's literally what it means. And as far as I recall, I didn't do heavy uh, work for this sermon as far as commentaries and stuff, but from what I recall, that's the only time in Genesis 2 where Ezra Neged was applied to a human. All the other times it was applied to God coming to the rescue of his people. His people were in trouble, God would come to rescue them. Adam was in trouble, so, so God sent Eve to come and rescue him. So it's not good for a man to be alone. You know, Moses had a tremendous call. There was a burning bush, there was a voice from heaven, but he was scared. And so God sent him his brother Aaron to help him out. Gideon had a voice from God, but he saw himself as the youngest person in the smallest family of the least tribe of the pitiful little Jewish nation. And so God sent him um, signs. 
And when, right before the battle, when everything was ready, God said, just go down to the camp and just listen to what they're saying. And he snuck down to the tent and he could hear people talking about how they had a dream last night. And they're terrified and they're shaking in their boots because of him. And God knew what he needed. And yes, then Gideon rose up and he was courageous, but it's because God saved him. God saves. God has a plan. That's the second component is just looking at scriptures. Forgive what hasn't happened. Look at scriptures and just speak truth to yourself. And then I started looking back at some of my memories. And the reason I chose this memory was because in reality, not all memories, there was a savior. Sometimes I wasn't saved and it hurt. And that's life because God allows free will. And he lets there be pain. But in this memory, there was a savior. God was there and my story wasn't over. And so he sent someone to save me. And I appreciate that because God is the one who saves me. And the more that I think about this theme and this idea, I shared with some friends that it's like a, a good virus that goes through my memories, like core memories, old memories, things I haven't thought about for a long time. And I realized I was left in a vulnerable position. There were bad things that happened to me and there were worse things that could have happened to me. But God sent someone at the perfect time to save me. I had Kleenex somewhere. Um, could somebody find me Kleenex and save me from, <laughs> from an undignified snort? <laughs> and there's more here than I could go into in this short amount of time that I have, but in Africa, when, I was, when the traffic accident went the wrong direction, I found myself in a country that was foreign to me, in a compound that, people, that was foreign to me, in a building that was foreign to me, in a room where nobody knew where I was, being told to take off my glasses and kneel on the ground. And I was scared. And I had tried everything up to that point. I tried yelling, I had tried negotiating, I had tried fighting physically, nothing had worked. And so I prayed, God, is, am I going to die? And I could really feel the peace of God saying, your story's not done yet. And from that moment, my, my deliverers started showing up. Almost right away, there was another missionary and then another missionary in the room. And then an imam came and started negotiating the situation. I didn't realize, but there were two other people that were on my side that were working behind the scenes. And I was delivered from there over to, I can't go into the whole story because it's a little bit confidential, but God delivered me by at least seven different people. It changes when we realize that God is a deliverer and God had a plan and God saved me. And God used you all to save us as well. When we came back from Africa, as you know, as we shared with you at that time, we were in a, in a dark place. We were questioning our missionary call. We were questioning our faith sometimes. We were in a dark place. And I prayed sometime around this time in 2015, God, I need community by Christmas or else we're leaving. And the next Sunday, Esteban invited us to church and we came here and God gave us community. And we've just been absolutely blown away through this time. Also recently, as we've had more needs, 
how you all have shown up and you've cared for us and you've helped us pack and you've helped us clean and you've helped us babysit. You've given us meals. You've cared for us. Thank you. We're going to miss you. I want to just end by reading a psalm that has been really special to me in this past week. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Thank you. Goodbye.